This is Crossroads with Clayton King. So many of us tend to bristle up just a little bit when we hear someone begin to talk or teach about giving or tithing or donating. Have you ever wondered why we tend to do that? I know I do. Well, maybe Jesus has some things to say about giving that we need to hear. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you, he does. And that's what this message is about. Jesus doesn't just want our money. If he did, he'd get it one way or another because he's God. What Jesus wants is our hearts. And if he has our hearts, he has our money. So I hope that you'll be encouraged to listen to God when he tells you to give from this message in the Sermon on the Mount. I'm excited today to take us back to Matthew chapter six, verses one through four. When we prioritize some things and put them first, God's promise, and we trust God's promises, is that he will add all things to us. We learned that prayer is the only thing the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them how to do. And then we learned that fasting is not a hunger strike. It's not trying to force God to do anything, but it's a way that we can renew our hunger for God. And Jesus told us that if we did those things, we would be rewarded. He also talked about giving in the same way. I wanna show you what Jesus had to say about giving in Matthew chapter six, verses one through four. Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And it's what Jesus wants to say to us today. So when you give to the needy, this is not an if, this is a when. Jesus assumes that if you know God, you're going to give. If God is in you, you will give. God is a giver. He gives good gifts. He gives us his spirit. He gave us his son and we are image bearers of God. That means we're made in God's image. So if God is a giver and we bear his image, we should be givers. I could say it this way. If God has my heart, he doesn't have to beg me for my money. If God has my heart, my money will go where my heart is. And so Jesus uses the word when. When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Now this is a word we'll look at today. Giving is connected to reward. Giving is connected to blessing. Giving is connected to overflow. And it's not just about money because money is way too small a thing to contain all the goodness that God wants to pour out on his people. All right, let's look at verse three. But when, not if, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, do it in secret so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So we've learned that we pray in secret. We've learned that we fast in secret. And today we learn that we give. We give in secret, not to boast or brag to say, look at me and how generous I am. But we do it so that God who sees in secret will reward you. And we're gonna talk a lot today about the rewards of giving and the rewards of generosity. And I could sum it up this way. Whenever I think about giving, this is what comes to mind. Giving is the thing that keeps the things we own from owning us. Giving is the thing that keeps the things that we own 
from owning us. There's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with having things. There's nothing wrong with having a nice home, a dependable vehicle. There's nothing wrong with having money in the bank and something saved for retirement and something put aside for your kids to go to college. There's nothing wrong with having those things, but there is something wrong when those things have us. So think about giving not as a compulsion, not as just a command, but as something that will set you free and liberate you. As a matter of fact, it's not just things that own us, tangible things and money, but there's also some other things that can own us. Greed can own you. Comparison can own you, right? Envy can own you. Jealousy can own you. So if you find yourself, like I often find myself, looking at other people's blessings and, and assuming I know their income or assuming I know how much they paid for that car or assuming I know how much they spend on this, that, or the other, if you find that you are beginning to be owned by envy and jealousy and greed and, and, and comparison, I'm gonna tell you how to get rid of it. Give. Give, open up your heart, open up your purse, open up your pocketbook, open up your checkbook, open up your credit card and give. I'm not saying just give money. I'm saying that when we give, it does something in our heart. It releases that death grip that Satan wants to put on your soul, that death grip that greed wants to put on your heart. Giving is the thing that keeps the things we own from owning us. I have so much to say. Let me look at my notes. It allows us to live free to love others. It allows us to live free to love others. It frees us from worry and anxiety. It liberates our souls when we live lives of generosity. Now, what I wanna do is press a little deeper into this concept of giving. And let me make a statement that I hope you'll lean into and listen because it's gonna take some explaining. You can be a giver and miss what's first. You can be a giver, but not be a tither. Now I wanna explain the difference here. There is this big idea and concept of giving and generosity, but then there's also a command in scripture that God has embedded into his world and into his people that we give the first of what we have to God. And that's called a tithe. And so I believe that some of you today are gonna to be set free because you're gonna realize I give occasionally, I drop a 20 in the plate, I give at the end of the year, I give when I feel compelled or I give when I feel like inspired. But what God wants from you is something for you, okay? And the tithe comes first. Let me show you what, I'm, what I mean because this is a biblical concept. Let me explain to you what a tithe is. The tithe is a 10th and the tithe is a test. The tithe is a tenth and the tithe is a test. When you see the word tithe, you can even see how in English it looks similar to the word tenth. And if you do the basic linguistic study, you'll see that the reason why we call it a tithe is because the word tithe literally translates into one tenth. That is the tithe. Now what does that mean? That means that we as believers are called by God to give one-tenth of our income to God. How do we do that? We'll see in just a moment. And when I was a kid, um, I told you I borrowed the playbook from my dad. My dad was a businessman. My dad was a farmer. My dad was a hardcore blue-collar worker from Simpsonville, South Carolina, and he was also my Sunday school teacher. One of the greatest joys of my life is that 
for me to be able to tell people my dad discipled me. One of the greatest joys of my life. When I was a little boy, my dad would give me chores around the house and you know how much I made a week? A dollar. Cold hard cash, y'all. And he would pay me a dollar in dimes. And he would pay me on Sunday morning. Mom would cook breakfast, we'd all be sitting around eating. My dad would give me my allowance for doing chores and he would give it to me in dimes. And he taught me basic math. Clayton, there's 10 dimes that make a dollar. 10 dimes make 100 cents. And he would count them all out for me and then he would pull one aside on the kitchen table and he would say, that goes to God first, that's your tithe. And I would take that dime with me to church and I would drop it in that offering plate at that little church in Greer, South Carolina that we attended. And that got deep into my heart. And I can tell you that I have been walking with Jesus for 32 years and the scripture is true. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. I want to give God what is first in my life. There's a thousand questions that people wanna ask when it comes to the tithe. Well, the tithe, isn't that Old Testament and not New Testament? Let me take you there because the tithe is not just a tenth, it's also a test. It tests our trust. The tithe is a test of our trust. The tithe is a test of our trust. I'm gonna say it again. The tithe is a test of our trust. I didn't say that, God said that. Look at Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. I wanna point out a few things. First of all, there's the word tithe. This is the Old Testament. So God had established this from the creation of his world. Let me talk about this word storehouse. What is the storehouse? In the Old Testament, it was the temple. The Israelites were commanded by God to bring one-tenth of everything they had to the temple. Why? So that the house could be full. Why did there need to be food in the temple? To take care of the needy to meet the needs of the people. See, this has been the story since the beginning of time. God has all the resources at his disposal and the world has unlimited need. So here's the question. How does God get his provision to that need? How does God get his resource to the people that need food and shelter and clothing, to the countries that need the gospel, to pastors that need training? How does God get what he has into the hands of people that have need? I'll tell you how he does it. You and me. We are the bridge, we fill in the gap, we get the great joy, we get the great honor of being the givers who practice giving and generosity so that we can be the bridge, the connection that fills the gap between God's resource and the needs of the world. That's what the storehouse is for. In the Old Testament, the storehouse was the temple. What is it now? The church. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Can I point out to you, this is the only time in the Bible that God says, test me. Ironic, isn't it? Can I just let that sink into you for a moment? The tithe is not just a test of our faith and our trust. The tithe is also how we trust God's promises. The tithe is how we put God to the test. God puts his name on the line. God says, you just test me and see if I won't do something amazing. What will God do? Part B, and see if I will not throw open. Doesn't say crack open. Doesn't say unlock and give you the key. 
It doesn't say open just enough to barely squeeze through. Throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out. Oh my goodness, y'all, I told you I'm gonna explode on this stage. And pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Store it where? In the storehouse. What's the storehouse? The church. My bank account is not the storehouse. Your Roth IRA is not the storehouse. Your 401k is not the storehouse. That $5,000 emergency stash of cash you got in the coffee can buried in the backyard is not the storehouse. Do you need an emergency fund? Yes. Do I have a 401k? No, but I've got a Roth IRA. Do I have money in the bank? Yes, I do. But I do not trust the banks like I trust the church. I trust the storehouse because I'm testing God. I'm taking him at his word. See if I will not throw open the, I, I forgot to underline this word, floodgates. What? Floodgates. What? God wants to flood you with his blessing. And it's not money. Listen, listen, listen. It's not money. It's better. Joy. Peace. Restored marriages. Repentance and forgiveness and a good night's rest. There ain't a an amount of money on earth that could pay what it's worth to lay your head on your pillow at night and know that you are aligned with God and you are walking in his overflow. See if I won't throw open the floodgates. Oh, and by the way, church, he's doing that for us. I'm telling you, the wind is at our backs. The sails are full. There is so much momentum. 10 is a number of testing. In the Old Testament, 10 was the number of plagues that God sent to Egypt. 10 was the number of commandments he gave the Israelites. And tithe, the 10th, is a test. And God will pass that test. He always has. He never messes up. Let's talk about this. The tithe comes first. Okay? The tithe comes first. I said this earlier. You may be a giver, but are you a tither? Okay? I don't want to tip God. I want to tithe to God. I don't wanna just tip him, I wanna tithe to him. So the tithe comes first. In the Old Testament, the concept was that the Jews would harvest their fields and they would bring a grain offering. They would bring a fruit offering. They would bring a meat offering. The animals that were sacrificed in the temple, whether it be a dove or whether it be a lamb, and they always brought it first. This is also a concept, the concept of first, when it came to the firstborn son. Why did God give more of an inheritance to the firstborn? Not so the firstborn could get rich, so the firstborn could take care of everybody else in the family. That is why the tithe comes first. It is for the sake of blessing others and taking care of needs. We'll be back in just a minute to finish this message. But before we do, I wanted to invite you to pray for us and even attend our 26th annual Crossroads Winter Conference. It's in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. This is a student event for middle school and high school students. And it's gonna be Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. It's gonna be Friday, January the 12th through Sunday, January the 14th. This is an amazing student weekend, a big conference with thousands of kids from all over the Southeast. And we'd love for you to come. I'll be preaching there. My wife, Shari, will be there. Our son, Jacob, will be there. Great worship from folks like Charlie Botrago. Great speakers, amazing fellowship. 
It's gonna be awesome. Go to crossroadswinterconference.com for more information. Crossroadswinterconference.com and you can register your students right now for our winter conference this January in Gatlinburg. In case you're one of my brothers and sisters that has never really believed that the New Testament teaches tithing, in case you were one of those people that says, I'm under grace, I'm not under the law, I cannot be compelled to tithe, I'll give what God tells me to give. Great, great, I'm glad you believe that. I believe that too. And God will never tell you to give less than what he commanded the poorest Jewish peasants 3,000 years ago to give. We're richer than them, we're more blessed than them. We also are on the other side of the cross in the resurrection. So how in the world could I ever justify in my life not giving the minimum requirement that God asked the poorest Jewish peasants to give 3,000 years ago and they didn't even know about the blood of Christ. They hadn't even seen the resurrected son of God. They didn't have a New Testament canon like we have. But just in case that doesn't convince you, let me show you what the New Testament says about tithing. This is Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse two. On the first... <laughs> On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Amen. It's not about amount, it's about percentage. The kingdom of God moves at the speed of our sacrifice. So on the first day of every week, what's the first day? It's not Monday. It's Sunday. First day of the week is the Lord's day. It's resurrection day. The Jews practiced the Sabbath on Saturday. The New Testament church, after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, began to practice on Sunday. They gathered for worship. They gathered to break bread. They gathered to fellowship. And they gathered to listen to the teaching of the, of the apostles about Jesus. And you know what they did? They set aside an amount on the first day of every week so that they could save it up. Why? So that Paul wouldn't have to beg every time he came. The tithe comes first, and here's what happens. When you do it right, when you align, remember? Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added. When you align and you do this first, it starts off as a discipline. It turns out to be a delight. It starts out as a, I got to, and before you know it, you're saying, I get to. It starts off with, I can't really afford to give 10% this month. But I'm gonna do it because God said to test him. Okay, God, I'm testing you. And God's like, come on, try to outgive me. Get in a giving battle with me and see who wins. We both do. And I'm telling you guys right now, I want for you what so many of us have already experienced, the joy and the delight of being a tither and a giver who takes the word of God seriously. Let me show you this. The tithe is about trust and treasure. The tithe is about trust and treasure. See, we're not practicing generosity when we just give every once in a while. We're practicing generosity when we have obeyed the command to tithe and then we give over and above the tithe. That's generosity. Tithing is simply obedience. But it's obedience that sets you free. It's obedience that gives you joy. It's obedience that loosens the grip of greed and selfishness. The tithe is about trust and treasure. In the same passage, Matthew chapter six, at the end of that uh, passage we've been in our, in our series, Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. 
But Jesus was speaking about this. If you put all your treasure in this world, a storm could come and wipe it out. A fire could burn it all up. The economy could crash and you could lose it all. Thieves can break in and steal. Moth will eat it. Vermin will destroy it. But what does he say in verse 20? But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Why does uh, the treasure that you give to God, why does the tithe you bring to the church, why does that last? Why is it impervious to moths? Why is it impenetrable to rust and vermin? Why can thieves not break in and steal it? Because nobody's stronger than God, that's why. And when you store it up in God's kingdom, God takes it and God guards it. And you know what else he does? He doesn't just guard it like it's buried in the ground. No, 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 no. He gives it interest. It grows. When you give to God, God always grows it. When you give to God, God always grows it. And that's why we're supposed to store up in heaven. So when you're thinking about where you're gonna give your money, think about where your treasure is. Your heart can tell your treasure where to go. And think about this idea of trust. Do I trust God? Do I really trust God with my tithe? Do I really trust God with my finances? Yes, I do. So when you're thinking about where to give, I wanna say this, I wanna say this boldly and with great love, you need to capital T, trust God, and little t, trust the church, okay? Our ultimate faith is in God. But we also have to trust the church and we have to trust the leaders in the church and we have to trust the people that handle the money. So give as God tells you to give over and above the tithe, but the tithe comes to the storehouse. And when you think about where you wanna give, ask this question, where can I give now that will show up in heaven in eternity? Where can I give now that will show up in heaven in eternity? Our souls being saved, our disciples being made, our marriages being restored, our churches being planted, our missionaries being sent out. I wanna give where it's gonna show up in heaven, where my treasure cannot be destroyed or stolen. Come on, somebody. This is where we invest. This is where we give. Because if God has my heart, he didn't have to beg for my money. 2 Chronicles 16, 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. God is looking all around the world and he's looking for someone that will trust him enough that he can give strong support to. So I was just kind of wondering, you know, like, do you want a little bit of blessing? Do you just want a little bit? Or do you want a lot? I mean, you don't want just a little bit of, of joy in your life. You don't want just a sprinkle of, of restoration. You don't want that, right? You want more. What do you want? I want it all. And it's not about money. It's peace and joy and love and patience and long suffering and kindness. It's forgiving people. It's walking in the overflow of the freedom that God gives. So what does God wanna do? God wants to throw open the floodgates, Malachi 3.10. What does God wanna do? God wants to give strong support. He's looking, he's watching. Who can I trust with the tithe? Who can I trust with generosity? You wanna see what God is capable of? You want all of it? Well, he's got plenty and he's gonna pour it out and he's gonna open up the floodgates and he is going to dump it all over you. God has got more provision than we can hold.
everybody's looking around for someone he can trust. Our job is real simple. Our job is alignment. God's promise is overflow. Hey, let me encourage you on the tail end of this message, just pray a simple prayer. God, where do I need to get in alignment with your plan? Where do you want me to invest? What do you want me to give? Just pray that prayer. There's no expectation except for you to be obedient to what God says. And I know if you pray, God will speak to you. If you'd like to hear this message again, send it to a friend, or learn how to take a next step in your walk with Jesus, check us out at ClaytonKing.com.